Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, the talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total Tutor. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter at TotalTutor and NeilHaley.com. And uh, I always get excited to, to talk to somebody like this. I, I love the show, and everyone remembers him as Robin from the original Batman series. Burt Ward. Burt, thanks for calling. And, oh, my gosh, uh, I'm excited to chat with you today. Hello, citizens. <laughs> I think everyone's saying hello, Bert, for sure. And I'm excited. Uh, a lot of major things coming up for you, right? You're really excited about some of the things, Bert, especially uh, coming up uh, very, very soon. At the, we're celebrating that 50th anniversary of Batman. Can you believe that? Oh, absolutely. Well, listen, we, you know, Batman, our series, which aired 50 years ago, is still in reruns all over the United States and all across the world. That's number one. Number two. Uh, a few months ago, uh, we came out with a our, our television series on Blu-ray and DVD that people can and own in their home and watch all 120 episodes. There's tons of all kinds of Batman 66 merchandise, comic books. I mean, there's a there's an 11 and a half foot tall one armed bandit in gambling casinos, and just now coming out is this fantastic Stern pinball machine that not only did Adam and I and Julie Newmar record each of us more than 300 lines of dialogue while you play the pinball machine, but it also has video on it showing our show, and in addition to all of that, it projects the bat signal on your wall. I mean, (laughs) you talk about going batty. Yeah, I mean, t- talk about you're right. Going bad, you're like, wow. Uh, the the whoever's a fan of Batman, and, who and, would? And you know, we have our new movie. Yeah, right. And we have our new movie that has just come out, which is uh, Return Batman: Return of the Cape Crusaders. And and what's so special about it is it's absolutely got the most fantastic reviews you can imagine. Just unbelievable reviews. Everybody loves it. All right, and and and. Both Adam and I have been submitted to the Guinness Book of Records as the only two actors in history who have worked together 50 years later. Are you kidding me? Wow. So by uh, the, being back again, to get, how, how fun was it to shoot with him again and be back working with him again? Must have been a blast. Oh, it, it's fantastic. And on top of all of that, Warner Brothers is making another full-length feature film with Adam and I, and with as it's coming out next year, that will have a best a guest villain called Two Face, who is being played by none other than William Shatner. Oh, you... here you have the two most iconic television shows in history, Batman and Star Trek, where the actors are working together. I know you, when you uh, auditioned for the role of Batman so many years ago, you never thought, meaning for the Batman show as Robin, you never thought it would be this big, did you? Well, nobody knew how successful. And yet, you know something? There are so many millions of, of kids, now adults, that have their kids that are watching Batman. And it's just been the most fantastic ride anybody could imagine. For sure, for sure. And uh, shooting films again and doing this again, how do you got? How do you prepare yourself, Bert, to be back in that spotlight again? And especially working with Adam and all that stuff, uh, just constant. Well, yeah, it's very easy. All you have to do, it's very easy. All you have to do is just put on that horrible costume, and you'll feel like climbing the wall. 
<laughs> and and and, uh, and and start running with all your dogs, right, to get in shape again, right, and uh, hanging out and doing all these different things because th- that's that's a great segue. And the fact that you talked talked about how many you've rescued yourself and uh, the great work you're doing uh, with Bert's uh, Gentle Giants and with the dog food and also uh, well, well, the me, rescue. Yeah, yeah, let me tell you. Let me just tell you a little. I want to just mention about what this is our charity. You know, I like to state that uh, I was the Cape Crusader, and now I am the Canine Crusader. For the last 22 years, my wife and I have rescued more than 15,500 dogs. Every one would have been put to death that we saved. Every one we fed, we, we provided shelter, we provided all their medical care, and found them a safe, loving home. This is our charity for which we take no money whatsoever. In addition to that, having saved these dogs, we also discovered how to double the lifespan of dogs. Our dogs are living as long as 27 years, healthy, still jumping in the air like puppies in their mid to late 20s. No one in the world has accomplished this that we are aware of. And how we do it is that it's three things how you care for your dog, how you feed your dog, and what you feed your dog, all of which are explained in detail on our website at GeneralGiantRescue.com, also on our Facebook page at General Giant Dog Food and Product. And we make a dog food called Gentle Giants, which is different from every other dog food in the world. And our food, combined with our feeding and care program, is producing such amazing results. In fact, right now, we have 24 of the dogs that we have here. 24 are 15 to 26 years of age. Oh, my. They're giant breeds. Yeah. They only live six to eight years. So every one of these 24 has already lived twice their normal lifespan. That is consistency. That's not an anomaly. How do you keep them active, Bert? You talk about the you talk out there. Have, yeah, you talk about the dog food and and all and, that. And, yeah. giants and go to our website and learn how to care for their dogs so their dogs can live into their late twenties. And it's more than just the the diet. It's also the exercise, right? Getting them up and going and playing with them and different things, especially with these big dogs that uh, are very active as puppies, but then they start to become more docile, right? Believe it or not, that is actually not true. Dogs have a way of sensing when they need to play and run. You you know, there's people that get up there and say, oh, i got to get out at 5 a.m. every morning and jog with my dog. Believe me, that's more for the person than for the dog. The dog, we have greyhounds, which are runners. We have sighthounds that are are runners, and yet they will do their own exercise. Ours, they are in our house. They come out. Whenever they want. I mean, I've got more than 50 in my house. They play, and then they come back in, in the house, uh, after about 30 minutes every day. Wow. And, and they, we feed our dogs, for example, five or more times a day. People say, why do you do that? Because it's all science. The reason we do that is that dogs' bodies, if they don't die of cancer or, God forbid, get hit by a car or something bad, their bodies simply wear out sooner than human beings' bodies. So eating, when you only feed your dog once or twice a day, actually wears their bodies down and shortens their lifespan. So all of this information and tons more is on our website and on our Facebook page. Well, you're fabulous for sure, Bert. Uh, Best of luck again all the different promotions, the 50th anniversary of Batman, your latest film, the new film coming out next year with William Shatner and Gentle Giants. Uh, appreciate you calling and uh, catching up with me. And you you educated me for sure when it comes to uh, taking care of big, giant dogs and all dogs and f- for sure. So best of luck. All, all uh, dogs. Our, by the way, our food, is, our food is designed for all breeds at all ages. We start puppies at four weeks of age on Gentle Giants and the same food. That the four-week-old puppies eat, eat our 25- and 26-year-old seniors and all our other eight dogs eat the same food. Well, you're fabulous, Bert. Thanks for calling, and uh, best of luck. And to the Batcave, right, Bert? Yes, to the Batmobile, citizen. All right, take care. Thanks, Bert. Appreciate it, man.
Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity bye-bye. Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, Neil. Good. Thank you. Fantastic. So I'm excited to welcome the program. Celebrity Carney Wilson of NBC's The New Celebrity Apprentice. Carney, thanks for calling. Carney, when I start thinking about your career and all the different things that you've done in your career, when you first started, did you think you'd be doing so many different types of projects? You know, I feel so blessed that that I've been able to do that. You know, um, it yeah, it's really it's strange. I, I kind of just follow my gut and my instincts with with things in life, and you know, I have a lot of passion and a lot of interest in many things. You know, so um, I've, I've been blessed with opportunity. You know, what can I say? You've definitely been blessed with opportunity, and now the new celebrity apprentice with your experience. What uh, experience are you taking to take on that boardroom, especially the new boardroom, which you got to talk about, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, so that you can become the apprentice? Uh, tell us what skill sets you think that our listeners and viewers will be able to see when they watch. Yeah, th- this is uh, this is definitely the most challenging uh, thing I've been ever been involved with. There's no question, and and. Uh, you know, a great a great personal growth here. You know, we, we don't know the winner yet, so um, that will be revealed. But you know, it, it was so tense and so so intense. Um, the challenges, the the people, the the cast. You know, the personalities and people are. You know, a lot of um, oh God, it's so much is revealed about everybody as a person, and it gets it gets real personal. It gets real personal because. When you know it's not just like a reality show where people just scream at each other or there's drama, drama, drama. People are really focused on on winning money for charities that they are that they are really, you know, um, believers of. Um, especially my charity, having a surgery that saved my life, a weight loss surgery oh, wow. that literally saved my life. And there's there's a lot of people out there that don't have money to to pay for a surgery and they're morbidly obese. So. The charity I chose was WLSFA, Weight Loss Surgery Foundation of America, and I'm I'm honored and proud to represent them. I'm their ambassador of hope. So the whole time I've I've got my eyes on this prize for for winning money, raising money for this charity, and everybody else has their vision too. And you're you're kind of like on the same team. Then you're knocking, trying to knock someone off, and then you're you know you, you can't help but be ruthless. And so there's a part of me that was that fights against being like that, you know, and then at the same oh, time, yeah. I had to keep my eye on something that was positive. Because you have so much potential, Carney, when you're looking at the variety of backgrounds of the different contestants, some of them have really understand their brand, have worked in many different facets in business, while others have hardly any experience at all. And you have to be put on that same team together and get along. I've talked to so many people who have been part of The Apprentice. It, you, you grow so much in this experience, don't you, Carney? So much. Um, you really learn not only about the people you're surrounded by, but about yourself and your own personal strength, your own, uh, you know, your ability to, to make quick decisions. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's staying focused can be hard for me because what happens to me is I get emotional. And so I had to really put my emotions aside and say, you know, cut through this, this, you know, like BS, that I'm just feeling, you know, hurt, or I'm feeling like this one's, you know, being mean, or I, I get, you know, almost like a baby, you know, and and I just had to say I'm here because I'm a strong woman, um, I'm I'm bright, I, I believe in myself, and when I believe in something, you know, I I am I can be ruthless. I I listen. I have thick skin. I have been through so much in my life, yeah. so I brought I I brought that to this show, and um, you know. It, it's like anybody can – you can do anything you want to do in your life, and that's one of the things I've talked about in lectures and, you know, in interviews and, uh, and on television when I host, you know, shows. I throw my life experience in there, and I had to do the same with the show. Carney, did you grow in any friendships from this experience? Because people have to understand you're with them for so long. You develop those friendships, especially when you're on the same team. Can you mention anything to say there are any certain connections that you made that you'll never forget from this show? Absolutely. Um, I, I made a really good friend in Kyle Richards, 
uh, from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. She's really a, 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 just a dynamite woman. I adore Brooke Burke. Layla Ali is uh, a, oh, yeah. a gem. Just a classy, smart, strong. Well, first of all, I was obsessed with looking at her fists or her hands. I was afraid she was going to freaking clock me. Um, uh, and <laughs> Jesus, try try competing against Layla Ali. I mean, really? Okay. Um, and uh, and Matt Eisman, I have to say, is an absolute love muffin, smart, fantastic, and um, we just had a great time. We we farted together, we laughed together, we cried together, we ate together. I love Matt. <laughs> So the one thing that changes, Carney, for fans of The Apprentice, The Celebrity Apprentice, it's the new one. You have Arnold Schwarzenegger, and you have a boardroom of very powerful people. So give us that last point before I have to let you go. But I, you definitely have to put – this is something that business people, people are going to be surprised about in The New Celebrity Apprentice. Yeah, I was a great, it's a great choice. Arnold is great, and uh, there are – there are very powerful people in that boardroom. So, you know, the, the, our, our hearts were like beating out of our chests. It's a place you don't want to go. Um, it's a place that you look forward to going to. It's very strange, um, you know, that you have those, those dual feelings. But, um, you know, all I can say is that there's no question the most tense moments on this show uh, is, are, are in the boardroom. And um, <laughs> I, I've, never, I've never experienced anything like it. I mean, I just haven't. Um, and uh, there, there's a lot of um, surprise questions. They throw you, they, they throw you off guard, um, and you got to be tough. Uh, that's all I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, I look at the list of Warren Buffett, uh, Tyra Banks, uh, just a bunch of different uh, different people, uh, and and then you and then you talk about Arnold, and uh, I'm looking forward to watching it. January 2nd, I'm already counting down the days, and my wife and I will make sure that's on our DVR specials because we have shows we watch always together, Carney. We have five kids, so we choose a specific night to watch and catch up on all our shows. But we'll we'll be uh, and and Monday, Monday, January 2nd, the new Celebrity Apprentice from 8 to 10 o'clock. Where can we find information on you, Carney, as well? Well, um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, it's at Carney Wilson, and uh, you know on Instagram I have a, a wonderful, very personal um, account called Carney sixty eight, and you can like look at pictures. Um, I, I post pictures daily, everything from me baking little tiny uh, desserts to sharing love with my family and uh, and my interests. And um, you know I, I'm I'm always all over the place. I'm always going somewhere, so you can see me on the talk. I was just on yesterday, so you never know where I'm going to show up. You're going to be everywhere, Carney, and uh, we look forward to tuning in for sure. And uh, continue success with your career. I'm really impressed of all the different things you're doing, and and good luck. And I look, I'll be rooting for you in the new Celebrity Apprentice. So take care. Thank you, darling. Have fun with it. Okay, bye. All right, take care. Bye bye. You're listening to the Total Celebrity Show. We'll be back. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. On the Just Two Choices show, um, uh, you, I'm the host of the show, Neil Haley. You can check me out on Twitter, at TotalTutor, and also NeilHaley.com, and I'm excited to welcome the program. My co-host for the Just Two Choices segment, Rico Rakoski. Rico, how are you, man? I know you're pumped up, <laughs> excited for our guest today. Uh, always interesting. <laughs> and, any t- and, and, you know, when you think about choice and you think about the choices he's made, he's a great person to look yeah. up to, and I'm excited to chat with him today. Go ahead, Rico, and tell us who our yeah, guest is. Yeah, same. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's an it's an honor and a privilege to have us have with us the uh, the 2000 Olympic gold medalist and the 5000 meter speed skater Chad Hedrick. And not only that, but when he was at turn in 2006, he also took a silver in the 10,000 meter and a bronze in the 1500 meter. So uh, when you consider looking at his history of when he actually jumped into the speed skating side of the world. Uh, phenomenal congratulations on all your fabulous successes there, uh, Chad. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm proud to be here today and looking <laughs> forward to the conversation. Well, you know, it's always it's always fun to hear about the stories behind the scenes, you know, the choices that are made that, you know, launch people into their trajectory of success. And and uh, you were in 
inline speed skater before you switched over to ice speed skating, as I understand it. And and what could you share with us what was the switch that flipped that got you and maybe where you were when you had that moment in time? You said, you know, I'm going to switch over to ice speed skating because of your background in inline already. Um, yeah, fun to hear about. This, this uh, progression uh, started when I was young. My father owns a roller rink just north of Houston, so I basically yeah. learned how to roller skate at 15 months uh, and <laughs> did that before learning how to walk. And, you know, my wow. dad strapped skates on my feet and locked the wheels of the conventional roller skates up, and that's how I learned how to walk. So uh, it was sort of wow. second nature for me. I grew up as a rink rat there at the roller rink, skating <laughs> six, eight hours a day with a pocket full of tokens, eating Frito pies and nachos, you know. <laughs> It was yeah. uh, it was a it was a unique childhood to say the least. <laughs> well, it's um, probably having some Dr Pepper. That's pretty popular in that part of the world as well. I imagine with yeah, the Pepper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, well, so we just grew up. I, I, I started out racing for cokes and popcorns that you want at the races, and uh, it was funny because I already got it free anyway with my dad owning the place, and. Um, yeah. We started traveling all around the country to different roller rinks uh, with conventional roller skates, just racing, and I loved it. I had friends that skated at the rink with me, and we never thought it was going to take us anywhere. We just loved what we were doing. And yeah. then when I was about 14 or 15, inline skates came out, you know, the inline skate craze in the late right, 90s. Right, right, yeah. And um, yeah. we started racing on those because they were so much faster. And we figured out, you know, you know, we figured out the different technique and, and understood how to how to race on those. And mm-hmm. we uh, we we just did it for fun. But then I tried out for the U.S. national team. I went to the Olympic Training Center in uh, 1993. At 17 years old, I didn't even have hair under my arms. And I uh, went there and competed against these grown men with beards, you know. And um, yeah. I ended up qualifying for the U.S. team and then went to France for the world championships at 17 years old and became world champion at 17. Wow. 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 So, Chad, so, and, yeah, yeah, so Chad, in that process of, you know, just skating for fun and then deciding to compete, was that your idea or your father's idea? to compete no i i I had such a deep passion for what i did and i know the word passion is is quite often overused you know everybody says find a passion but you know what it was just fun i i just i for all these kids i look at sports that are out there now i have a seven-year-old daughter and a five-year-old daughter and i watch sports with them and it's overlooked to just let the kids have fun because if they have fun, they're going to give their best effort, and that's exactly what yeah. I did. Wow! You know, we we got a we got a soccer coach in our league. He's got nicknames for every uh, every kid on his team. It's a ten and under girls league, and you know he talks yeah. down to the kids at times, and it really frustrates me because this is the first experience these kids are going to have in sports. And to discourage yeah. them from the beginning is really going to affect yeah. them long term. Well, where, where did you get the? Uh, where did the idea pop up for you know for ice? Since you started in the rink, and um, I take it, it you know because of the rink, and maybe you guys had some some um, some distances that you just you know did a straight out sprint on. Um, but what what uh, what was the, the the switch that flipped? You said I'm going to take this to the ice. Was there something well, or somebody uh, you knew or that flipped it over to you? Well, I was I was ten years reigning world champion on inline skates. I traveled over forty different countries. Wow. I had endorsements from car companies, shoe companies, yeah. all the skate companies. I was traveling yeah. around, and you know, at eighteen years old, I made six figures. It was like it was it was wow. a kind of oh, crazy yeah. whirlwind <laughs> experience. And um, wow. you know, while other kids were having uh, having jobs at at McDonald's or, you know, working at Burger King. I was going to Italy uh, on the weekend and coming back, and three weeks later I'd be in uh, in Seoul, Korea. You know, it was a different world. <laughs> and um, that experience, I had success there, but with that experience, the only thing that I couldn't accomplish was an Olympic gold medal, and that was sort of the 
the achievement that I always wanted. And so in order to do that, I had to switch from inline skating, leave Houston, Texas. I didn't own a coat, and I had to move to Utah <laughs> and start a Winter Olympic sport. So wow. started wow. from yeah. being the best in the world to just an average Joe stepping out there on the ice. I fell down the first day in front of oh all the guys goodness. that I would have to compete against. Yeah. It was a very humbling experience. Now, Chad, uh, when you talk about inline skating and the decision to go from inline skating to speed skating and now getting on skates and ice, you said you couldn't even skate yeah. and you transitioned. Was this your idea again, another crazy idea, or was this uh, something? did someone, <laughs> someone recruit you? to this point to say you should I had a friend who who had some success before and moved out to Utah and there was a guy that I raced against for a long time and he actually yeah. won a, a gold medal in 2002 in Salt Lake City uh, for the Olympics so I followed suit and I got to tell you guys going from being the best at something to <laughs> a sport that's relatively similar and then just looking like you just have no idea what you're doing. It was <laughs> it was a, a tough thing to swallow. And you know, when they say they say that if you want to be the best you have to get behind the best and you have to follow them and that wow. that's the same in the corporate world or in yeah. sports, you know. I followed behind this guy and I realized the body position that he had and the angles that he was pushing and all these different things and it finally started to make mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's cool. so you did that. You did that all in four years. I mean, in terms of, you, I think you said 2002 was your friend that you saw in, when he was in the Olympics. And so you you transitioned to make the 2016 from 2002. Yeah, that's quite wow. Here's the crazy. Here's the crazy part. And you guys don't make me make me continue to to talk and feel like a wind up doll here. But here's what happened. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, I moved there in 2003. I bought my first jacket, and, and <laughs> I started, and I didn't know what I was doing. Six months later, I was able to qualify for the U.S. team. Seventeen months later, I went to Norway for the World Championships, which I barely qualified for. They had two distances on Saturday and two on Sunday. You accumulate points in each race. I was there to watch the best in the world and just get an experience. Sunday night, when it was all over, they crowned me world champion just 17 months after I started. Wow! Wow! So I went. So I went from this kid. Thank you. I went from this kid just growing up in a rink, was just aspiring to be an Olympian, to all of a sudden. I'm favored to win a gold medal in the Olympics just three years after I started. Wow. wow. And what what an experience. Just all happened so quickly. And all I remember, you know, my my story is is so ironic because we don't even have ice here in Texas. <laughs> Just ice houses. That's you know, what you got ice houses. Yeah, and <laughs> ice houses. And then <laughs> and then my friends, once I qualified, my friends at home thought I was a figure skater because they had never seen to be skating before. <laughs> they called me Brian Boitano for six months. And, and you are like, oh my gosh, Chad, this is the, it, it, it's not that. So because the, the training you had to go through must have been so intense, Chad, especially when you, again, it's like starting at someone who's seven feet tall, picking up a basketball at 18 and say, okay, now you're going to be playing with all the best players, but you've never, you've not played like everyone else has played. So the, what kind of describe the training you went through, Chad, the kind of uh, rigorous training well, the, to get to the, that level. The, the, tra- the training's one thing, but it's the overall commitment from a young age that I put into this. It was mm-hmm not being able to hang out with my friends at high school who were going to parties because I had to go to competitions or because I had a specific training program that I was following. And we're talking from a really young age. We're talking about like 11, 12 years old, really living this life that was so different. You know, our 
our our family holidays were spent at competitions. We didn't eat turkey at our our dining room table, and I, I'm I'm thankful that I get to do that now because I never did it. And it was it was those type of sacrifices that it took to become the best. But you know what? It never felt like a sacrifice because I was having so much fun. And I encourage mm-hmm. my kids and all the kids that I'm around to find something, not that they have a passion for, but just that they have fun with. That man, I can't wait to get out there and do that tomorrow. My daughter got done with her soccer season the first year, and afterwards she looked at me and she got Dad, let's go practice next week. I was like, man, yeah. that reminded me of how I felt, you know? Yeah, yeah. So the we sacrifice and the time was one thing, but I mean, heck, I've skated around the equator twice in my life. I skated 175 miles a week just when I jumped on the ice, but I skated six to eight hours a day from the time I was five years old all the way till the time I left to move to Utah, you know? You know, that, that brings up an interesting uh, thing. We had we'd, uh, talked a little while ago to... Uh, Derek Torres, who was an Olympic swimmer, and yeah. we were talking voices, and we were talking about like how me, Rico, Joe, bag of donuts, you know, maybe I don't want to get up some morning and, and go out and practice my speed skating. And then she talks about at the level that you guys compete at, there's a whole different vibe, there's a whole different um, commitment, there's a whole different sense of life that has to do with your training. Could you? Maybe I'm not even asking the question well enough. But this God, outside of the range of, of how the rest of how, how the rest of us kind of view it, like, yeah, do I want to get out of bed today or not? You know? Could you talk I, about I that? I got it. Especially yeah. especially being an Olympian, every four years we get this window of opportunity. And you know what? That one morning that you skip could be the difference between gold and silver or gold yeah. and bronze. You know, some of these some of these events are point zero eight, point one four between, you know, the yeah. best and just somebody that was close to being the best. And as an American, the pride that's involved, we don't we don't go to <laughs> get a medal. We go to win because we we're America. Yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of pressure involved, but Olympians in comparison to normal athletes, it's a totally different ball game. These guys in the NBA, they're they're they've got they're in the spotlight all year, every year. You know, we have one chance to show our country, to show the world that we're the best. Mm-hmm. Wow! And you you can't let up. You can't. Mm-hmm. Wow, thanks for sharing yeah, that. Really definitely. And yeah. not and meaning you can't let up because someone's going to uh want to take your spot in the Olympics, right? They're they're training as hard as you're training well, every second of the day saying, I want that spot that Chad has. Of course. You got people that that are giving their life to this that you know, when you get to this level, it's not this isn't a friendly competition. At times, it's it's going for the jugular type stuff. You know, it's yeah, yeah it's yeah. hardcore, man. It's it's not yeah. just the competition. It's the mental games before the competition. It's showing yeah. strength to have the mental advantage before you even put your skates on. Well, that's a that's a that's a great uh, thing. You know, you noticed uh, I'd like to you just brought up there, Chad, which is the mental preparation. That you're doing, you know, we watched the you know Olympic swimming this this past summer, the summer games, and everybody seemed to have their own little you know rhythm or way of doing things that kept them in the zone. Is the best kind of description I can come up with. What was your technique, and how would you describe being in the zone or staying focused? You know, before you <laughs> cut loose all that energy to to go win the gold. Uh, what's your technique? It's so funny. The Chad that skated in comparison to the Chad who doesn't. It's like my personality took a 180 because I was I was an intimidator. I was a guy who was very mentally um, focused and strong, and I tried to yeah. win the race before I jumped on the ice. And I I tried to I tried to scare people. It was like um, the guy raising Phelps this year, you know. That guy mm-hmm. was dancing in front of him as they were about to warm up and everything. And this guy. Yeah 
had already been beat before the race even started. He was, <laughs> yeah, it, yep, as he an did, athlete, was, yeah. all of us were sitting there watching and laughing at that guy. Yeah. And you kind and, of, yeah. You know. Yeah. Interesting, Chad. What's, um, what is it that you're focusing on? What is it you're focusing on? I mean, you're yourself and you're in your own head. You know, some people have well, like have headsets on. Maybe there's some kind of music, but I don't know. What do you guys? Uh, yeah, I mean, what are some of the techniques I mean, over there? I mean, yeah, you have music. You also have sports psychologists that you work with to do imagery, okay. which every okay. every part of every race, every turn, every straightaway, every body yeah. position, uh, everything that you're going to do for that that 12 lap race or whatever it may be, you sure. have rehearsed it in your head and you own it before you even step to that line. Wow. Good, good choice of words. You own it. Go ahead. Wow. No. And you and you have yeah. to own it because I've been on both sides of the fence, guys. I've been on the side of the fence where I stepped to the line and I know I'm going to win. Mm-hmm. And I had one guy at the end of my career that showed me that I knew that I wasn't going to win. And those two perspectives yeah. are the furthest from anything you've ever experienced in your life. Wow. Now, interesting, Chad, you talk about, you know, looking at other athletes, watching the summer games, watching the different things. Do you consider that even though you're a winter Olympian, that your summer games uh, are like your brothers and sisters and family in certain ways that that are part of the U.S. team? Do you kind of take that pride of that United States uh, being a, a member of the United States Olympic team? and root really hard and, and are really uh, focused and, and want to offer as much advice as possible to the current Olympians that are on the U.S. team and both. Heck yeah. We're, 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 we're like the military. I mean, we have so much in common with the military. We fight for our country. We may not have the chance to go, you know, and, and lose our lives, but there's that kind of pride involved. And once you're part of the family, it doesn't matter if you're there or not. You're at home. You're gritting your teeth. You're into it, man. Uh, the mm-hmm. the feelings I had watching Phelps, you know, or mm-hmm. I just I just went back and reflected on being in the being in that position myself. And man, mm-hmm. you you never lose it. You never lose it. Mm-hmm. You had you you had this technique of a, a, a double pump, I believe, from the inline world. Did any of that uh, translate over into the uh, into the ice speed skating world. Yes. Um, so okay, so the, the technique, yeah. the technique that I used was called the double push. And um, mm-hmm. these, these uh, skaters all around the world from the first time I started, uh, I remember getting a, a, a report card from the Olympic training center and mm-hmm. guys, mm-hmm. I was a 15, 16-year-old kid, and the coach wrote on my report card to bring back home to my parents. It said, horrible technique, skates fast. (laughs) And I brought it home to my dad, who was also my coach, and my dad chuckled because he knew what I had. He knew the man that I was and how strong I was mentally. And uh, from then on, I became world champion. Everybody wrote books on my technique. They did videos on my technique, broke, broken down to the, the thousandth of a second. And, uh, you know, that technique really instilled uh, and helped me helped me succeed, I'd say. But it wasn't completely transferable onto the ice. But uh, I was, at that point, just really, really strong. And and more than that, I just believed in myself. And that that's... Mm-hmm. That's ninety percent of it. You believe in yourself and anything you're going to do. It. You know, if you have doubts, mm-hmm. you're you're not going to do what it mm-hmm. takes to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Now, Chad, I guess uh, looking at all the all that uh, and uh, techniques and specific things, you had a lot of high expectations going into the Olympics, and we talked off air about that in certain ways, Chad, and and that. Uh, there were certain disappointment in your career. It was not all a bed of roses, even though you're a gold medalist. Can you describe how you were able to overcome yeah. that? That leads you to what you are today in certain ways, Chad. Well, I, I, I finished with five medals and five different distances. The only other skater to do that was Eric Hyden uh, in 1980. Um, it was a great accomplishment for me. 
Um, but I didn't, like I said, I, I was raised to become a champion. And a lot of people rubs them the wrong way that maybe a silver medal or a bronze medal is disappointing to me. But, but those people didn't sacrifice their whole life for those those times and, and to shoot for that success. And only I was the one to experience that and go through that. So that's how I feel personally. At the end of the day, I was I was disappointed in, in my overall performance uh, throughout my career on the ice. Uh, I started ice skating when I was 26 years old. I was past my peak um, even when I started the sport. I never knew that I was going to be an ice speed skater. In fact, the funny story is I went to the 1988 Olympics as a spectator at 11 years old, and the only sport that I didn't watch was speed skating. <laughs> well. So I was disappointed with my overall performance. I did reach the top of the mountain at one point. Um, but more importantly, my performance wasn't um, the thing that I was disappointed with the most. I think I was disappointed with just my overall sportsmanship, my overall um, character during um, okay. during the times that I was successful. I took my sport so serious that it really um, rubbed a lot, a lot of people the wrong way. And um, it was a false representation of myself. Chad Hedrick as the athlete versus Chad Hedrick as the person are like two different things. It's like, uh, it's like almost like Spider-Man, you know, you got Tobey Maguire, this nice <laughs> innocent guy, and then you got Spider-Man, he's trying to rip people's heads off, you know? And yeah. it, looking back, it's humorous to think that, but I'm just, uh, I'm thankful that I'm able to acknowledge my shortcomings and, and my character through this time. But I do know that if I wouldn't have had that character to some degree, I never would have reached the level that I did. It gave you that edge, huh? Yeah. I mean, you were, you were talking about, yeah. I was fierce, man. I was fierce. Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for coming from the heart on that. Really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Any other interesting questions? Oh, Rico has always no, a lot of interesting that. ones. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, this is all kind of new. To, you know, this is, this is, uh, and then when you went to games, here you are coming into 2006, and uh, they started this team pursuit idea, you know, the turn games. Yeah. And um, what's uh, what was the, the psychology? And I think they tried it years ago, I mean, a long time ago. But now they reintroduced it in 2006. Um, um, can you share some of that psychology that goes to building that team pursuit um, with three different starts? I think it's the same. Yeah, so it's basically obviously a team event, the last person to cross the line and an eight-lap race uh, stops mm -hmm. the clock. And you mm -hmm. do it two teams at a time. You start a half a lap mm -hmm. uh, apart. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's just really a – a, a team, you know, uh, it's obvious, but it's a team effort. Yeah. It's not an individual effort. You need three guys working together in unison with a strategy, following each other and understanding strengths and weaknesses of each other. And it's, right. it's a, a very, very uh, nice event for um, fans all over the world to enjoy. And sure. I see a lot of individual races, but I think more than anything, this team experience taught me a lot about what true leadership was because I'd always raced for myself and my own glory and my own, my own, uh, you know, uh, fame and fortune, if you will. And this time, uh, skating with these, uh, these partners of mine was just a unique experience because they were, 19 years old each in 2010 was my last race. Yeah. I had two 19-year-old partners, and, and I was 32, yeah. so it was sort of my last hurrah. And wow. these guys had watched me win gold in 2006, so they look up, looked up to me, and they were looking up uh, before the race as we warm up. They were looking at me for true leadership, for, for words of you know, wisdom, right. you know, and this yeah. was a unique experience for me to become a leader, and, and that was yeah. that was just so awesome to experience that. Wow, 
Well, thank you. Thanks for the insights on that. Wow. Definitely, yeah. definitely interesting yeah. insights. And Chad, will we do the final questions? We put you in the hot seat. It's not really a, a hot seat, but it's a, it's, a, it's a survey question that Rico has. And we've interviewed many, many celebrities. Yeah, I'm ready. So I already know what it is. You know, so good. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, so. All right, Chad. All right. all right, Chad. See, and 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 this is what makes the Just Two Choices show different than about um, uh, all my different shows out there. Is this um, uh, choice survey? And we've had people from Robert Kiyosaki to Dr. John Gray. We talked about Dara Torres. Uh, just a variety of people from authors, entertainers, Roger Staubach, <laughs> uh, and Rudy Rudiger, and getting that answer. So, Rico, go ahead and ahead and ask the answer. You have to come up with that list for me, Rico. I run out of – we've done this so long, but I, I love the fact is I yeah. can tell what they're going to answer based on these answers, these questions, how they're going to answer the survey. Yeah. But, uh, go ahead, Rico. What is the question? As Chad already knows. <laughs> Well, Chad, yeah, Chad, yeah, we appreciate uh, this. Again, no right or wrong answer. What we're doing is we're just kind of choice mapping how people perceive life, you know. And so the, the way we choice map it is just to ask the question. It's a percentage question. Uh, we've had, uh, you know, what percentage of life is uh, do you see as choice and what percentage is the circumstance? And, you know, we've had everything from 100% to uh, 80, 20, 20, 80, 70, 30. You know, uh, what, what do you feel – in answering that question, what percentage of life is choice and what percentage is circumstance? Uh, circumstance would probably be uh, 60% uh-huh. and uh, and choice 40. Wow. 40%. Okay. And can Perfect. You, wow. It's, that's a different answer, Chad, for what you've done in your life. So interesting uh, portion of that reasoning for circumstance and uh, uh because again, we see it your life, but we have not talked about the now where Chad is now, and I want Chad to talk about it. He's doing some phenomenal things. We're talking off air. Remember, you talked about cool. uh, all that, and I'd like to have you back on just to kind of talk about that at another time. Just more about uh, what you're doing with kids and and all these amazing things. So, what is Chad currently doing? Yeah, so we started um, a program called Double Push Ministries. I really found that. Um, when I won my gold medal, that I really was defined by my sport and really um, had had very few relationships that were meaningful during that time and always had a, a hidden agenda with all friendships and relationships that I had. And it was just a a great time with the accomplishment, but also it was a dark time for me because I felt I felt empty inside. I wasn't fulfilled by what I thought was going to be my ultimate uh, prize in life, if you will. And I, I, I accomplished it alone. So shortly after that, I um, I became a Christian. And um, we now have a program called Double Push Ministries. Um, we have a program that is set up for kids all around the world. I use my platform to teach kids all over the world how to skate and how to how to wow. give them a life uh, with purpose, a life living uh, with faith, and a life with character and integrity. And those were a lot of things that I lacked when I got to the top of the mountain. So we'll be in Nigeria this year a couple times. I've got 500 kids that I'm going to be teaching how to inline skate out in Nigeria. And then we also have a school program here in Houston. We've just kicked off, and I've spoke to about 5,000 kids so far to uh, inspire them to to live a life with discipline, with sacrifice, with determination, integrity, character, all the qualities that are needed to be be an admirable person in this world. And uh, it's just incredible. You can go to doublepush.org to check it out. And then you can also go to my website, chadhedrick.com. We do a lot of uh, corporate speaking. So for all the companies out there looking for an inspirational speaker, um, I've done a lot of a lot of speeches for a lot of Fortune 500 companies like AT&T, Procter & Gamble, John Hancock, Nike, Accenture, you name it. I, I really enjoy doing that and using the story that I was given to inspire people. You have a very nice website no, as well, Chad. I have to I have to uh, say you have a nice looking website. So people need definitely need to check it out and see the the things you've done. And so I think a lot of ways that you've made the that 
who led you to God in certain ways, Chad? Were there certain mentors or was it just specifically enough you finally, uh, God woke you up <laughs> at one point? And, and so, well, uh, my, my, my in-laws were believers and, and once I, I, I married, uh, their daughter, I really just sort of, uh, no, they, they didn't pressure me at all. It was, it was really just looking in from the outside and how different their life was. And it started out as simple as this. And it, it's so crazy, but the <laughs> men and their family hugged each other and they tried to hug me once and it freaked me out. Because we shake hands, my dad and I, we shake hands. We squeeze your hand. We're we're manly men. We we look you in the eye. And for holidays and stuff, I would go over to their house, and the men would hug each other. And it was a different kind of love that was expressed, one that I hadn't that I hadn't ever ever witnessed or or felt before. And it sounds so simple, but. Really, after feeling what I what I felt on top of that podium and and thinking, man, I'd remembered all the people jumping up and down, all the people crying, all the people smiling from ear to ear when when they put that gold medal around their neck. Mm-hmm. And when I went up there, I was numb. I didn't feel anything but emptiness. And I'd given my whole life for this. Yeah. So now wow. I'm able to do something that that inspires people that that can change lives that that can that that experience i don't want anybody in the world to give their whole life to something that's going to leave them empty and that's great chad he's definitely going to be commended and then you're using your platform meaning your brand from your experience and success in skating and in line skating to transform people's lives and bring Christ their lives. So Chad, continued success. Thanks for taking the time and uh, telling us your story. I appreciate it. Yeah, I do too. Thank you so much, Chad. Go ahead. Go, Rico. I said blessings to you, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Y'all have a wonderful day, okay? All right, Chad. All right. Appreciate it, man. God Take bless care. You, man. Thanks. Happy okay. holidays, Steve. All right, happy holidays. Okay. You're listening to the Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back on the Just Two Choices Celebrity segment, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter, at TotalTutor, and also NeilHaley.com. And I've been seeing previews of this movie. I cannot wait to take my wife to this movie. It's going to be a tearjerker for sure. Um, so I'm excited to welcome the program, Jacob Lattimore. Lateral beauty. Jacob, what's up, man? And this is going to be awesome. Uh, opening in uh, nationwide December 16th. Jacob, how are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Just taking everything in. Yes, Collateral Beauty is is um, is going to be an amazing film, and I think it's definitely going to be life-changing for a lot of people. And uh, it's been an amazing experience to be a part of this cast. And, um, you know, Will Smith, Naomi Harris, and Michael Pena, Ed Norton, Helen Mir, and Kate Winslet, and, and Karen Knightley. Uh, I mean, it's, it's sort of like the dream team of Hollywood. And, you know, any newcomer, you know, musician and, and actor would want to be in this position where they can soak up so much knowledge from so many great um, artists and actors and actresses. Uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. Yes, Jacob, for sure it's incredible. And it's some, it's it, when I uh, was seeing again the uh, previews for this you know, TV commercials and things like that. I said, wow, this is something that when you speak about death and cancer, Jacob, I mean, this is just something that, you know, a lot of people are afraid to talk about. And this movie is going to definitely bring this up. Right, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. This is, uh, this is definitely a film that, um, that really, uh, touches on, 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 on life really. I mean, you know, love, death and time is, deep three abstractions that interact with Howard to help him deal with this this grief and loss in his life. Um and uh and we we see um the, the Will Smith's character engage in a very unique way, uh, you know, with writing letters and you know, and getting responses back from them in, in physical form. That's um I think it's very unique. It's it's very uh it's very fun in that way too, which is a lot which allows us uh, it's definitely a tearjerker, but it's also, you know, you you laugh with this film. And it's just full of life um, around uh, this holiday 
uh, period. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's so true when you talk about it, for sure. And uh, Jacob, what, tell us about your character. Yeah, my character, Rafi, um, represents time. Um, for me, I was like, when I got the script, I was like, okay, I'm playing time. Like, how do I play time, you know? <laughs> so I um, I think for me, I just sort of really tried to represent in time and in the way that time is important in what we do. Um, and how we experience, you know, each day is important and what we're focusing on and what's important to us. Um, and, and that time doesn't slow down for anybody, you know. Um, we can't go back and redo things and we have to take advantage of the things we have in the moment. So um, I think that's what my, my character, Rafi, is uh, truly representing with this, um, this sort of uh, Christmas fable type of uh, film. Really interesting. So your time, so it's going back in time, your character, for, for not spoiling the movie, in a way, looking back, is that what your character... No, well, what, yeah. what, what, what happened... I'm sorry, actually, say that question one more time. No, I was just wondering how, where the character is in, in this process. You say your character, Rafi, represents time, but is it, what type of, what time in the, in the movie is it, the character, is it something like a flashback, your character, or how's that, explain that to us, Jacob. No, actually, it's um. Well, it, it, the film opens up uh, with a, with a very bright um, Howard, or you know, or, or we see him as Will Smith, and he's he's very full of life. And we go through this transformation where we see that he has um, that he's definitely went through something, or he's dealt with something, and he uh, we come to find out that he's lost his his six year old daughter uh, two years ago, and um, and then he we, we see him going through this pain and, and being absolutely human uh after a loss like this and, and going through grief so uh we see how we deal with this pain in a very unique way by writing letters to the universe love death time and um and basically through this journey of trying to get over to something life we uh we see him interact with those three abstractions face to face and uh oh, okay. my character rep- represents time uh helen Mirren character represents death and uh, Keira Knightley character represents love. And um, we see uh, Howard engaging in a very sort of therapeutic but fun way because uh, it's obviously very interesting and unique, which allows us to, you know, add uh, add a little bit of humor to the film as well. Um, so it's definitely a tearjerker, but it uh, has lots of... lots of life in it. And that's what people say. For grief, Jacob, you have to vent either by talking to people or writing. That's the only way we're going to get over specific yeah. serious situations that happen in our lives. We have to write about it or talk about Absolutely. it. And that's what it's showing that Will Smith's character was able to do is write about the grief he was dealing with and working through it throughout the film. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. And it shows the power of yeah, communicating and, and um, you know, not really bottling things inside because, you know, uh, kind of goes back to the time concept that, you know, time doesn't slow down for, for anybody, you know, um, and, and time keeps going and we have to allow ourselves to open up and deal with things and, um, and, and eventually, uh, find that light at the end of the tunnel and keep living. I tell you, Jacob, I mean, it's, uh, definitely as I, as I was seeing and, and working with all these talented actors and actresses, what did you learn from this experience getting, as you talked about this, this all-star cast of characters you're working with, uh, interesting, very, very interesting actors and actresses. What'd you learn? Yeah, I think for me, it was all about, it was me just observing, you know, um, it was never really any, uh, word for word advice. I think for me it was just, just watching them on set every day and, you know, just seeing what hard work and preparation looks like, you know. Um, you know, from Will to, to Naomi to you know, to Helen and just just watching so much experience around me that um, you know, I, at at the same time I felt embraced by the cast. I felt I felt loved and um, you know, I felt at home in a way, you know, where where we were we were talking about scenes, we were you know changing scenes every other day, and you know uh, we had a lot of discussions, and we really uh, sort of really fell in love with each other on, on this set um, with this beautiful story, and um, and it was just amazing to work with, with great people and uh, genuine people, 
you know, uh, at the top, you know. So it was, it was, it was an incredible experience for me being a newcomer. Yeah. Um, and you know, getting my feet wet a little bit. You know, we're working with like Forrest Whitaker in a movie called Black Nativity. You know, to to this film. Um, I, I, you know, I definitely have a different perspective on how I approach my next film, how I approach a scene. Um, I think you, you you never really stop learning. You know what else is amazing, uh, Jacob, is you're a musician as well, actor and uh, musician. Your tour's coming out, your debut album. You got to be excited about that as well, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's yeah. Music came music came first for me. I mean, I come from a very musical background. My my cousin Kenny Lattimore has been doing R&B music, you know, for a long time. And my dad and my uncle. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.